Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming and I appreciate all of you stopping by to check out this week's episode. If you're a newcomer, then welcome aboard. If you're a returning listener, then thanks for coming back for more. And of course, if you're a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, special thank you to you as your uh, support goes a long way to uh, keeping things going here for the program, which I greatly, greatly appreciate. The Pipeline Show is fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is the absolute best beef jerky I've ever had. Uh, I'm going to recommend you look them up online, wilhockbeefjerky.com. Wilhock is spelled W-I-L-H-A-U-K, wilhockbeefjerky.com. And it says right on the on the title page, home of Alberta's best beef jerky. Uh, I would actually recommend they change that to home of the planet's best beef jerky because it is... It's fantastic, and I swear, I picked up four pounds eight days ago, and it is, well, it's completely gone now. I, the household has gobbled it up, and we've probably actually been out of it for a couple of days now. So I, I've got to get to uh, Spruce Grove is the closest location for me, uh, but there is another one in Leduc. But if you're in Western Canada, you give them a call, and they will ship you some as well. Phone number in Spruce is 780-571-1515 in Leduc. It's 780-986-2537. I, I guarantee it's the best beef jerky you've ever had. And the big difference is it's fresh. You know, you can go to the uh, the local convenience store and pick up a bag, and it's got those the little packet that's for uh, maintaining freshness inside the pouch. Well, the ones you get from Wilhock don't have that because they don't need it. it, it it's fresh. It hasn't been sitting in a box in a, in a warehouse somewhere after it was packaged four months ago, and then shipped to the convenience store. That's not what you're getting here with Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it if you haven't had it before. You can't get it in your uh, neighborhood convenience store. you got to get it right from Wilhock themselves. But you won't regret the extra effort. You don't win friends with salad. You win friends with delicious beef jerky from Wilhock Beef Jerky. Going to skip the question of the week because uh, lots of news and notes to get to. Playoffs underway in the NCAA. North Dakota has uh, captured the NCHC 
conference title. Minnesota holds on. Uh, they were up. They had a big lead on Wisconsin in the final of the Big Ten tournament. And Wisconsin uh, waged a uh, massive comeback, but Minnesota held on to win 6-4 the final in that game. Those are the only two conferences uh, settled so far. Saturday, we'll see UMass Lowell taking on Massachusetts. The Riverhawks with a 6-5 double overtime victory over Boston College, who were the favorites going into the tournament. But don't worry, BC fans, your club will still be around for the national tournament. The other conference final that is set is the ECAC tournament that will see St. Lawrence against uh, Quinnipiac. Remember, Clarkson canceled the rest of their season and playoffs because a number of players went to a party which broke protocol for the team. So that meant Colgate and St. Lawrence played, the winner of which advanced to uh, the conference final against Quinnipiac. St. Lawrence with a 5-4 overtime win against the Raiders. That was uh, yesterday on Thursday. As we speak right now, Northern Michigan and Minnesota State are playing. And the last I looked, Northern Michigan uh, had a commanding lead. It was 4 nothing last I saw, and it's now 5 nothing for the Wildcats. Minnesota State, another team that, even if they don't win their conference, they had a good enough regular season that they'll get to the national tournament. But uh, a pretty impressive showing here so far for Northern Michigan. After two periods, they're up 5 nothing on uh, Minnesota State. The other game in the WCHA, we'll see Bemidji taking on Lake Superior. That gets uh, underway this evening. The two teams that uh, win their games today will meet on Saturday for the WCHA championship and the automatic bid into the national tournament. In Atlantic Hockey, American International defeated Niagara today. That was a 2-1 final. Canisius and Army play tonight. I think most people expect Army to uh, win that game, and that would put AIC and Army into the final on Saturday. But don't count out Canisius just yet. Now, also news yesterday was the announcement of the 2021 All-Canadian team and the 2021 All-Canadian freshman team. And uh, how official is this? Well, it's for the Pipeline Show, does it? But I figure if USCHO can put out their uh, top 20 every week and it gets picked up by all the national papers out there uh, that cover college hockey, then, uh, heck, why not start the All-Canadians and the All-Canadian freshman team as well? We, all, we see the All-American teams uh, announced. So let's go with the All-Canadian team. I put that out on the uh, the Patreon page yesterday, so patrons got to see the write-up. I did announce the just the names uh, on Twitter. In case you missed it, the forwards for the All-Canadian team, Dylan Holloway from Wisconsin, Joe Nardi uh, at Northern Michigan, and Johnny Evans from Yukon. And I know some people would say, well, how do you not have Jordan Kawaguchi from North Dakota there? It's only regular season. Kawaguchi had seven points in the three playoff games. And that put his point totals up ahead of uh, a couple of the other guys. But just going by regular season, and his numbers uh, weren't quite what uh, Nardi and jo and Johnny Evans had. So he gets to be an honorable mention. Uh, on the blue line, Peter DeLiberatore from Quinnipiac and a freshman Owen Power from Michigan. They are the two defensemen. And again, you could make an argument probably for Bernard Docker at North Dakota, but um, he was number three on my list. Uh, Goaltender-wise... Uh, this one was pretty easy. Jack LaFontaine at Minnesota. Now, Dryden McKay apparently is a dual citizen, but looks like he's played everything uh, in the United States. So I went with Jack LaFontaine, and uh, no question, what a year he's had. Had more games played than any other Canadian goaltender, and his numbers were better than any other Canadian goaltender. So pretty easy choice there uh, to go with Jack LaFontaine. 
Now looking at the 2021 All-Canadian Freshman Team, go back to Michigan for a couple of guys, but uh, we'll start with uh, Blue Liner Owen Power. Obviously makes the All-Canadian team. He's going to make the All-Canadian Freshman Team as well. Uh, the other Michigan player is uh, Kent Johnson, who is both of those guys draft eligible this year. They'll both be top 10 picks. I'm pretty sure they might even both be top five picks. I'm kind of skipping around, but the other defenseman is Akito Hirose, who uh, plays at Minnesota State, had a really strong year. He's 21 years old. He did play out his uh, entire junior career in the BCHL with the Salmon Arm Silverbacks. So it's he's not a 19-year-old freshman or 18 years old like Owen Power is, but uh, it's it was his first year at college, so he qualifies and had a really strong year for the Mavericks. The other two forwards, Alex Campbell from Clarkson, who you will, uh, spoiler alert, you're going to hear from him on the program today. And uh, Carter Savoy, the Edmonton Oilers draft pick, who is from Edmonton and had such a, a great start at Denver this year, still finished with 19 points in 22 games, really made a name for himself with the Pioneers. And the uh, freshman goaltender, the Canadian freshman goaltender, I went with Carter Guylander from uh, Colgate, another local product here around the Edmonton area, played in the AJHL with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. He was at Colgate. Uh, I'm sure he's uh, unhappy with the, the, the numbers he had yesterday. He got five goals scored against him, not a lot of shots. It's kind of been reversed for Colgate this year where he's been standing on his head and they haven't been able to score. Uh, yesterday they scored four times. That wasn't enough. Uh, the honorable mention goes to Reese Gaber, North Dakota, another North Dakota guy who was right on the bubble. And if I was taking playoff production into consideration, he probably would have been there, but uh, he had three points in the playoffs, but had 16 in the regular season, and that was behind the three guys that uh, I mentioned earlier. You can find the write-ups for both of those all-Canadian teams at the Patreon page, patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. In WHL action, four games on the schedule tonight as the U.S. division gets going uh, in full. We saw one game yesterday featuring uh, U.S. teams, Tri-City beating Portland in overtime. Today, Spokane is in Seattle. In the East Division, Prince Albert takes on the Saskatoon Blades. And here in the Central Division of Alberta, Lethbridge welcomes Calgary, and the Edmonton Oil Kings are at home to the visiting Red Deer Rebels. Uh, three games in three days for those last two uh, pairings. Red Deer and Edmonton will play home-at-home home tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. Same with Calgary and Lethbridge. Sounds like expectations uh, for the OHL starting up might have taken a hit as uh, the government has reported, uh, again, increased cases of COVID-19 and all the variant strains. So it seems to be like there's a great deal of a caution, as there should be, uh, in the province. I know the province has announced uh, some sort of, I didn't read up fully on it, but some sort of stimulus package for businesses. And a part of that is uh, $2.5 million going to the OHL teams to help them cover the cost of uh, the scholarship packages for all the players. I know at least one writer took issue with that, Ken Campbell from the Hockey News, who he, he always seems to be very critical. I've never met Ken. I don't know how he feels about a lot of things other than what I see him write. Always seems to find a way to take a critical uh, perspective, though, at uh, the Canadian Hockey League. But I think uh, ensuring that these businesses... Yes, it is for-profit hockey, but they are businesses that are covering educational packages for all their graduating players. Uh, I think that's pretty important. You know, he mentions, he uses the example of the London Knights, who are the most successful, 
team in the Ontario Hockey League, probably on and off the ice. Uh, but not every team is the London Knights. So let's keep in mind that uh, a lot of these owners, yes, it is for-profit hockey, but a lot of these owners are uh, really feeling it here, not uh, having any sort of income from hockey in the last 12 months in the OHL for sure. And even some of the ones that are uh, that are playing, you know, in the queue and here in the WHL, they're not getting to sell tickets. So it's not like they're uh, raking it in this year. And a lot of teams lost money. Well, a lot of teams lose money every year, but a lot of teams uh, are losing extra money this year because of uh, all those lawsuits and stuff from... Uh, but I digress. I saw Greg Drennan reporting... Uh, well, the WHL had the release, and uh, I read it on Greg Drennan's blog, that a couple of uh, COVID-positive cases with the around the Kelowna Rockets. Now, the Rockets hadn't got together yet, so in this situation, they're just isolating those two cases. Uh, but meanwhile, the, the Rockets get to continue moving forward. This time next week, we'll start play in the BC Division. So great that, uh, you know, unfortunate there were a couple of cases, but great that they caught it uh, when they did, as it should not impact the schedule. All right, let's move on to the guest list. And of course, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. I enjoyed a uh, Lloyd Christmas feeder-aged Flanders Red a couple of days ago. And it, it's a big bottle. I think it's uh, like a 750 milliliter bottle. I don't have it sitting in front of me. Oh, not quite that big, 500 milliliter. But it is very unique. I don't really know how to describe it to you. It, it's it's uh, it's fairly tart, which makes me wonder how the Harry Dunn feeder-aged golden sour is going to be. I had the Flanders Red. It's it's almost a bit like, it kind of reminded me of wine, actually, to be honest with you, but I enjoyed it. Looking at the uh, the page, the troubledmonk.com slash shop page, where you would place your order and you get to see all the beers and uh, beverages that they have to offer right now. The seasonal ones, they just keep coming. A couple of new ones that I haven't tried yet. Community Hall IPA, which uh, sounds like it'll be delicious. And the Family Colors Irish Stout. Last week I was telling you about the If the Crown Fits Dole Whip Kettle Sour. I haven't been able to try that one yet. And they introduced the Made in the Shade Blueberry. I've had the Made in the Shade Passion Fruit, and it was nice. Tart, but good. And last week I noticed that the Rebels Red is back. So I have to get my hands on that because it's one of my favorites. Whatever you're getting, you can order it online at troubledmonk.com and make sure you use promo code PIPELINE and that uh, to-your-door shipment will come to you absolutely free. If you live between Calgary and St. Albert in Alberta and all points in between, you can get uh, that delivery right to your door. Just make sure you use promo code PIPELINE. And the guest list today, three guests for you. Solid guests, though. uh, Make no mistake about that. We'll start with a 2021 draft spotlight. Big goaltender Sebastian Kosa, who I know a lot of people have Jesper Wallstad as the number one goaltender in the draft this year. Uh, but I know at least HockeyProspect.com has Sebastian Kosa as the top goaltender available. Regardless, I think they're both first round uh, talents. Well, you'll get to meet Sebastian Kosa today. Really well-spoken young man. Uh, and I'll be honest, I don't know if it's just because they're both gingers or what, but it reminds me a little bit of Braden Holtby. Not the way he plays. But his uh, maturity level at the same age, remember when Holtby was on the show way back when as a Saskatoon Blade, there's there's something, and they kind of physically look a little bit alike. Not the height, obviously, because, you know, Holtby's not a small guy, but Kosa is 6'6", six, six or six, almost 6'7", six, but in their facial features, they look similar too. So I, I was a big Braden Holtby fan in the WHL, had a really strong NHL career as well, although I know it's kind of 
uh, stumbled a bit here with the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Sebastian Cosa. From there, we go to Seattle. Andy Ide from ESPN 710 in Seattle has helped set the stage for the U.S. division, which uh, kicked off last night, as I mentioned. And we'll end this week's show. I also mentioned uh, Alex Campbell, who was a freshman with uh, Clarkson this past season. I was able to contact him uh, earlier, just a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact. And I let him know that he was on the All-Canadian freshman team. But we talked about his season and interesting backstory for him as well. He's played on four teams in the last four years, kind of crisscrossing the country. So uh, we chatted a bit about that Nashville Predators prospect. And that comes up as well. So three really, really good guests for you today. We'll start with Sebastian Cosa of the Edmonton Oil Kings. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Obey Kubel in on Orman, gets by, saved by Jari, what a stop, center, another chance, Richard, saved by Jari, another chance, didn't make it through, Jari down, covers it up in a huge pile in front, Tristan Jari keeps the Oil King season alive. Hey, it's Tristan Jari from the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, it's one of my personal favorites, but tell the people about it. The Daycation Mexican Lager. When the chores are done, the lawn is mowed or the sidewalk shoveled. This Mexican Lager is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river. Daycation Lager is a little getaway every day. Player comparable, Sidney Crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Giant turkey is a little over the line, my man. This is the Pipeline Show. Welcome back as we are uh, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky and we get to turn on the 2021 draft spotlight and uh, chat with another player who is draft eligible for the uh, next NHL draft this year being held in July. And I suppose everything is uh, with an asterisk at this point, but let's assume that uh, goes off without a hitch. Uh, My next guest uh, won't have to wait all that long, I don't think, uh, to hear his name. Let's go to... Edmonton Oil Kings and netminder Sebastian Kosa. Sebastian, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for having me on. Uh, pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, making the time. It's great to chat with you. And I know it, it must be a, a good time, a fun time now compared to the last 11 months. The Oil Kings are back on the ice and uh, off to a 4-0 start, including you, 4-0 record as well. Uh, how's things going right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, everything's uh, looking like uh, what we want it to be looking like right now. Uh, you know, everyone's excited to be back at the rink, uh, around the guys, working hard in practices, and uh, really excited for the games on the weekend. So uh, just got to keep everything going right now, uh, and we'll have a pretty good season, I think. It's March, but in some ways, does it feel like September? <laughs> uh, you know, it's actually funny, because uh, right now, it's uh, there's no snow out, so... Uh, no, not really, actually. It feels like summer, but, um, you know, back when you get back into the rink, you know, it's, it's, uh, the end of season vibes for sure. I, I have to think it, it must, the last 11 months, obviously, or damn well near a year. I guess it's, a, it is officially a year now, but, 
Um, when you're not able to to train as you normally would, I know everybody kind of gets back into the gym at the same time and onto the ice at the same time each summer. Uh, and then when that was all thrown out the window and then you get a start date for the season and that gets canceled and then you start training again, how complicated or how just demoralizing almost was the last 12 months where you weren't able to really stick to your normal schedule? Yeah, no, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely tough. Um, you know, we go into the summer with, uh, with the plan and with the start date of when we need to be ready. Um, and this summer it was kind of getting bounced around all over the place. So it was definitely tough starting and going again. Um, but you know, it was really good. Um, I had a really good time in the gym this, uh, this off season and a really good time with, uh, I worked with, uh, Curtis Mooka, my goalie coach. So, uh, you know, the summer overall, it went really well. Although, yeah, definitely mentally it was tough. When the the start date to the season got canceled and then pushed back and then that one got canceled and then finally we get the the end of February start date, for me it was almost like until they're on the ice, I'll believe it when I see it, uh, that the league was going to start up again. But to, from your perspective, how confident were you that that was actually going to happen? Yeah, kind of skeptical at the beginning for sure. Um, with uh, being a player and there were more kind of rumors going around, so there was more dates going. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was really confident that kind of the last two months that we were going to get going. I know I, I spoke with Ethan Cap. I think it was, I don't know, somewhere around New Year's or something. And, you know, from mm. his perspective, an overage guy trying to play his last year of eligibility. And, you know, he, he made no small bones about it that it was mentally tough uh, for him not knowing what was going to happen. Yeah. For you, you know, you still have a, a couple of years after this, but this is a pretty big, important year for you, too, being it's your NHL draft year. So was that something that you were thinking about? Like, how how is this going to affect me here long term? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, with guys playing games in Europe and, uh, you know, the Quebec League was getting started and even in the U.S., you know, they were playing games. So yeah, it was definitely, uh, you know, you just needed, needed some views, um, needed some guys to watch your game as it developed over the summer and, uh, kind of where your game's at now. So yeah, definitely, uh, a little, little nervous, nerve wracking. Um, you know, just talking to my agents and stuff, I thought it was uh, the best plan to stay, stay put and, uh, kind of just wait it out. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is you mentioned Europe and some guys got to play in the AJHL, even though that only lasted a couple of weeks as well. But uh, you didn't. Was that did you give the AJHL a, a consideration? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's consideration uh, quite everywhere. Um, but uh, I don't know. I thought I thought honestly just staying uh, staying in the gym and uh, getting stronger off the ice and just continuing to work with uh, Curtis, my goalie coach. Um, I thought that was just going to develop me the most, honestly. Sebastian Kosa, goaltender with the Edmonton Oil Kings, is my guest. And uh, Sebastian, we, what we like to do in this part of the show is introduce my uh, my guest to uh, my uh, larger audience, which is across North America. There'll be lots of people listening to this. They might only be casual NHL fans, and their team drafts you, and they want to get some background. Uh, other fans probably don't even watch junior hockey. So I'll ask you some generic questions, and we'll start with uh, where you grew up, where you're from. Sounds good. Um, I was born in Hamilton, Ontario. And then uh, moved to Fort Murray while I was when I was uh, about three or four, and then uh, lived there ever since. Wow, I didn't know the the Hamilton part, so that's news for me. Yeah, you first came on my radar. You were in Fort Saskatchewan. So, what, at what age yeah. did you go from Fort Mac to to Fort Saskatchewan? Uh, my bantam second year. Uh, there's no AAA in Fort Murray, so you got to go to Fort Sask um, mm. to get AAA. So, yeah, I had to go there to get any uh, any kind of for uh, and for people who don't know the geography of Alberta, that's that's not a small drive. That's not like you're you're going an hour to play. I'm guessing you moved down full time. Uh yeah, yeah. I started billeting um, when I was just uh, about to turn 14. So 
that is not an easy thing to go through as a kid mm. at that age. I mean, how difficult is that? Definitely. Uh, yeah, it was tough. Um, the first year was actually after the Farmery fire. So, uh, luckily I was, uh, able to stay with some friends from Fort Murray. Uh, we lost their house and they, they were staying in Fort Saskatchewan. So the first year I got really lucky. And then kind of the second year I was uh, a bit more climated to it. So uh, it was a bit of an easier change going into with random, random people. Wow. Uh, all right. Let's go back even further. Uh, when you decided to become a goaltender, at what age did you throw the pads on? Um, I think it was novice, novice development, which was uh, my novice second year. There's three goalies to start the year and we we're just going to switch out. And then, uh, by Christmas, I was the last one standing, so kind of kind of got stuck with it. <laughs> what attracted you to the position in the first place? Um, I don't remember honestly. I just uh, whenever I when I played goalie, I liked it a lot, honestly. So, well, that's funny because a lot of guys will tell me it's for the equipment or something like that. For you, it was <laughs> uh, I don't know, but nothing special like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not not no nothing uh, nothing really special, I guess. Uh, yeah, even. When I was younger, the, the gear wasn't as fascinating as it is now. Um, it's all kind of grown on me. But, yeah, when I was younger, just, like, stopping pucks. I don't know. Something wrong with me. Well, I was a goaltender when I was your age, and uh, you talked about changes uh, in equipment. Uh, in your lifetime, uh, go back to when I played, and, uh, I mean, it was basically strapping phone books onto our legs, and uh, that was about it. Yeah. All right. You, you go from Fort Saskatchewan. You're, you're taken by the Edmonton Oil Kings and, uh, in the in the banner draft. You didn't have to wait long either. A second-round pick. Uh, I believe were you the first or second goalie taken that year? I was the fourth. Fourth? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, a good host would have pulled that up and uh, had that right in front of me. So I, I apologize <laughs> yeah, for that. But no, that's all good. That's all good. I mean, you were really highly touted going into the draft that year, and I expected you'd be one of the first guys uh, taken. Were you surprised how the draft unfolded? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, we had a really strong team that year, and uh, we won the league championship, so uh, we had one guy go in the first round. Um, I don't know, kind of. Uh, you never, you never really know. Um, you know, I didn't didn't think Edmonton at the time would have taken me. You know, they had quite a bit of goalies in their system. Um, but honestly, not, it couldn't have worked out better. You know, Edmonton's the closest uh, to Fort Murray, so my parents come down to see me quite a bit. Um, and yeah, it's worked out really good. Uh, my goalie coach, Hurst Mook, I've been working with him for about five years now and it's, uh, continued with Edmonton. So it's worked out really well. Well, and you, you look at the history of the Oil Kings and I mean, there's a couple of former Oil King goaltenders in the NHL right now, Laurent Brassois and Tristan Jari. When you get drafted by the Oil Kings, are you like, okay, well, they know what to do with goaltenders? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. Um, you know, I go in, um, and you know, Dustin Schwartz was still more part of the organization. He's, uh, Obviously, with all the accolades he has and being the Oilers school coach, you know, he's obviously special at his job. Um, you know, Curtis uh, is obviously the same. Um, you know, both of them are really good. So, yeah, obviously, they, they kind of know how to breed goalies and uh, develop them to that next level for sure. Uh, last year was your rookie season. You got into 33 games, finished with a 921 save percentage and uh, a record of 21-6-3. and Four of those uh, wins were shutouts, by the way, and uh, I, I can't imagine you, you could have scripted a better uh, rookie season for yourself. Yeah, no, yeah, it was, uh, got off with a bang. Um, you know, the first game was, was arguably my best one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, it was uh, definitely, definitely can't complain. Um, you know, just coming in this year and trying to try to recreate the same thing, hopefully even better. Um, but yeah, yeah, our team was really solid last year and. Uh, they allowed me to, to have such a great season. I don't know what your expectations were at the start of the year. I mean, from the outside looking in, we knew you were you were the highly touted guy for the future. But 
Dylan Miskew was still part of the organization in training camp. Todd Scott was there. Miskew, uh, as an overage guy, ends up into the Ontario Hockey League, and you as the rookie basically uh, stole the starting job, and Todd Scott ended up in the USHL. I don't imagine uh, that was, uh, you know, what you were expecting for your rookie year. No, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, a lot of goalies in, a lot of goalies out. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, got to play with Beck Warm, and uh, honestly, I don't don't know if anyone else would have been able to do that good of a job with uh, kind of just mentoring me and uh, showing me showing me the ropes, and that's kind of showing. I was he's uh, got called up to the taxi squad today, with Carolina. So feeling really good for that guy. Yeah, pretty cool that he gets the uh, entry level contract too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, really happy for the guy. Uh, Sebastian, I mentioned it's the draft. Uh, I, I don't know how much you've been uh, thinking about it, uh, maybe over the last year uh, a little bit more than now because you're on the ice and you're focused on playing. But um, how much uh, time have you spent thinking about the draft? Um, honestly, not too much. Um, and I feel like a lot of guys say that, but uh, you know, hasn't really hasn't really uh, affected me or hasn't really been a major thought of mine. Um, you know, just obviously when talking to teams, but. When on the ice, you know, just my game will do the talking. Um, you know, there's obviously nothing, you know, seeing scouts in the in the stands, just they can watch my game. Um, you know, there's nothing to make me nervous about. So I think I've taken it pretty well and, uh, you know, just going to try and uh, try and keep up the performance to show what I got. The uh, sheet I'm looking at says 6'6 six, six and 212 pounds. Uh, I, is that still up to date? I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. You're barely 18. Yeah. Yeah. I think I is, uh, almost six, seven in training camp. Um, yeah, so six, six and a half now, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, around two, two ten, two fifteen. So yeah, yeah. Uh, with skates on, how tall would you be at six, seven plus skates? Uh, yeah, probably, probably six, eight, six, nine. <laughs> Man. Not, not a lot of, not a lot of room for shooters, uh, shoot well so i mean that's a, that's a natural advantage that you have for you now from a shooter's perspective or a, you know a, the opposing team's perspective i guess the the object uh or the the strategy would probably try to get you to move because the the cliche uh weakness for a tall goaltender is lack of mobility how do you uh mm-hmm. how do you contend with that how do you kind of contradict that i mean yeah I'll, I'll take that all day um I think I move really well in my crease for, especially for how big I am. Um, I can move, uh, move east west just as good as anyone else. So, uh, yeah, I can get moving if they need me to. <laughs> what sort of things are you trying to focus and work on in your game this year in this, you know, really bizarre 24 game season? Mm, um, yeah, just kind of controlling the game. Um, you know, my confidence is up there right now. So just, uh, you know, when I'm out there, really be a third defenseman back there. Um, you know, make some nice, nice, uh, passes and uh try and get my puck handling up there um and then uh just realizing how big i am um you know that's kind of uh it's obviously a big uh pro for me but it also can be a negative as i have bigger holes when i open up so uh just trying to move less and uh take away the net interesting and i like the puck handling uh, aspect uh, as well is that something you think is a uh you know almost somewhat of a lost art because of the you know the, the trapezoid behind the net that the uh, it's almost frowned on for goaltenders to have to, to to go out and wander and play the puck, but such an important skill if you can master it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, yeah, a huge skill if you can get it. Um, you know, you kind of you know the top guys are known for it and uh, how good they are with playing the puck, and that helps so much with breakouts and stuff. So I think if you get good at it and uh, kind of the name of you being a good puck handler follows you around, that's going to be a positive. Well, and I know uh, Tristan Jari was certainly uh, an exceptional uh, puck handling goaltender when he was 
with the Oil Kings as well. Um, uh, getting back to the draft for a second, uh, there's no question you're going to be drafted, so there's no pressure in that regard. But does it matter to you personally who drafts you or where at what at what stage of the draft? I mean, I personally think you can be a first round pick and should be a first round pick. But does it matter to you? Um, no, it doesn't matter. Um, obviously, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool. Um, it'd definitely be nice to, uh, to be selected in the first round. Um, kind of be, uh, yeah. Kind of be, uh, um, yeah, just, just thought of as that good. Kind of, uh, yeah, it'd definitely be nice, but honestly, it's not going to weigh me down too much. It's not going to make me lose any, any sleep at night. Um, so yeah, yeah, it'd be cool, but nothing, uh, nothing I'm worrying about. As a Northern Alberta guy, did you grow up with the Oilers as your team, or were you cheering for somebody else, uh, sort of behind enemy lines? <laughs> um, yeah, my whole family's from Ontario, so uh, we're at least we're at least family. But uh, I think that could change at after after. That's true. That's true. Well, there's 31 other teams that uh, might have their eye yeah. on you as well. Uh, Sebastian, lastly, uh, what's the nickname? What do the guys call you? Seabass. It's been Seabass. My brother's been calling me that ever since I was young, and uh, it's kind of followed me around. Um, everyone's quite kind of calls me that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, remember when Dumb and Dumber came out, but were you even born yet? <laughs> uh, I don't know. When, uh, it was in the nineties. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, you're a 2002 yeah. birthday. Um, yeah. So I think it's well before your time. I'm assuming by now you've seen that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So yeah, yeah, I got on the back of my helmet, uh, the sea bass. <laughs> the, the kick him at, kick his ass sea bass. Yeah, yeah. No, the the picture of Seabass, and I have it on the back of my helmet, uh, just the name Seabass and a picture of him oh, okay. in, the, in the bathroom. I got you. I, I thought maybe you get, guys yeah. would always be yelling at, uh, at you or something, kick his ass, Seabass. But, uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, well, Sebastian, I really appreciate your time. Uh, continued success, and uh, I'm sure you won't have to wait long on draft day to hear your name there either. All right. Thanks, Loggy. Hey, take care. Sebastian Kosa of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, the Oil Kings back in action this weekend. In fact, they get uh, started here in, as I'm speaking with you, well, it's a 6 o'clock start tonight, which is a good thing I just noticed that because usually they play at 7, so I would have been an hour late to uh, tune into that game. You can watch all the games now on uh, one platform for uh, across the the CHL. Although the last time I looked, I, I couldn't get Q games yet, so I don't know. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but... Um, WHL games have uh, been good. I know there's been some hiccups along the way, but you can check it out. Uh, the WHL's got a big banner on their website. But um, let's get back to COSA for a second. What a season. A great start to the season, obviously, at 4-0. But I know when I tweeted out the early access link to for patrons, right away I got some feedback. Uh, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com reminding everybody, COSA is their number one guy uh, for the draft. Uh, number one goaltender, that is ahead of Jasper Wallstadt. So I know a lot of people have Wallstadt number one, but it is not a consensus. I think they're both first-round guys. I've been on record saying that for a while now. I've been watching the Oil Kings for since they came back into the league, and Laurent Brassois, Tristan Jari, Sebastian Kosa, the, the top three goaltenders this franchise has had. And Kosa's only played, he's played less than 40 games, and I'm saying that already. Appreciate his uh, time and uh, Andrew Peart's help in setting up that uh, that interview. If you get a chance to watch the Oil Kings and the Red Deer Rebels, they play three times this weekend, home and home and home, uh, between the Oil Kings and the Rebels. 
Next segment, we're going to uh, preview the U.S. division of the WHL. Andy Eid from ESPN 710 in Seattle will be my guest. He is Mr. Seattle, and he is next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasar. Bring it to the slot, to the legs, Barzell. Watson, back outside, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell, Seattle Thunderbirds, and you are listening to Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash's King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. Tell me his name again. With Gee Flaming. Who? Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to look a little bit more at the WHL, as we just heard from Sebastian Costa of the Edmonton Oil Kings in the 2021 draft spotlight. But uh, almost the rest of the league will be uh, having gotten back on the ice here after this weekend as uh, the U.S. division will uh, start play on a Thursday night as uh, Portland and Tri-City. Uh, we'll meet, and uh, that means uh, Andy Ide is back on the Pipeline Show. Andy, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing well, Gee. Thanks for having me on. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you because we can finally talk about some WHL hockey. Now, I know you're yeah. you're. We were just talking about it a second ago. You're Mr. Seattle Hockey uh, now, covering uh, <laughs> all things uh, hockey when it comes to Seattle for NHL.com for the Seattle Kraken as well with uh, Sound Ho- uh, Sound of Hockey. Excuse me. Uh, and still got the gig at the 710 ESPN as well in Seattle. So you're a busy guy. Yeah, it's not not a bad gig, you know. Writing about hockey, covering hockey. Uh, I'll take it. Well, let's get uh, let's get to it with the WHL's return on Friday, and uh, maybe just give us a rundown of what the last 12 months have been like for you as a guy trying to cover a league that hasn't played. Yeah, it's been uh, you know I've written a lot of stories about target start dates that didn't come to be. Um, so it's actually nice to talk about hockey. I was actually at a practice and a scrimmage last week. So and it, it had been almost a year to the day that I'd been at the show center in Seattle watching WHL players. So that was, that was kind of weird to think that the last time I was there was, you know, a Sunday night against Everett in Seattle. And, and then the, the, now here we are a year later, <laughs> that was going to be the last game I would see for a year. So yeah, it's, it's been trying times. Uh, I'm sure for everybody involved in the league, uh, yeah, you talked to a lot of the players. They're pretty excited to be back uh, doing what they love to do. Well, when we last saw the uh, U.S. division teams playing, Adam Beckman was leading the uh, the WHL in scoring with 107 points, and Seth Jarvis not that far behind of the Portland Winterhawks with 98 points. Dustin Wolf was the top goaltender uh, in the WHL. So there's lots of talent uh, south of the border for uh, fans to follow, that's for sure. Uh, let's get into it. The five teams uh, all all playing within the uh, within Washington State as uh, Portland has uh, relocated for this 24 game season. Uh, w- maybe we'll just start alphabetically and we can go through what you're expecting from teams. The Everett Silvertips, uh, 
Who who's not back from last year, and what are you looking forward to? Yeah, Everett, I think is my favorite to to win the division, um, which feels weird saying this year because it's twenty four games and there probably isn't going to be a playoff. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they, I think they are the top team. You know, they they missed out by one point to Portland last year. They they had one more win, but Portland got them on overtime points. So hmm. uh, I, I think they're they're back to be strong again. Um, they are missing some guys on the back end, like they lost Wyatt Wiley and, and Christensen on the back end. Uh, they don't have their two imports, uh, one of which is, you know, Casper Pudio, uh, and then Michael Goot, who, who were big contributors to them last year. Uh, so those, that'll hurt them, but they still have Dustin Wolf on the back end, who you mentioned, who's the reigning CHL goalie of the year. Uh, and they still have guys up front like Gage Gonzalez, uh, who was just drafted this last year, Cole Fonstad, who's the big scorer. So they still, I think, have the best depth from top to bottom in the division. So they're going to be tough again. And, and Dennis Williams coaches them really well. So. I think they're still going to be a tough out for everybody uh, this year. And every team that we've seen so far play here in the in the Central Division and in the Eastern Division that just got started, every team's got a bunch of new faces as well. Because as you mentioned, a couple of import players per team that aren't with the clubs this year, so there's there's more spots for the young guys. Uh, does Everett have some uh, high profile guys coming in this year to watch for? You know, they they're an interesting team the way that they've built the way that GM Gary uh, uh, Davidson has built this team. He he, he's not afraid to trade away draft picks and prospects. So they, they didn't have a pick last year until I think the third or fourth round. So they're definitely relying on, on uh, their veteran players. I'm not sure that there's a, a rookie to watch that you would want to see. Uh, they have some young guys from last year, like a guy like Brendan Lee, who's actually from Seattle, who got a little bit of a look last year. I think he'll have, probably have an elevated, uh, uh, you know, role this year. So he'll be a guy to watch. Uh, you know, they have Olin Zellweger, who's a draft prospect, a C-rated prospect, a 17-year-old. So I think you're looking for their guys that were there last year to maybe step up is where they're going to get some of that uh, that addition uh, to their roster. Uh, Andy Ide is my guest, uh, writes uh, well, all over the place, uh, as I said, Mr. Seattle. <laughs> uh, NHL.com, the preview for the uh, U.S. division that you did. You did mention uh, a player or two for each team that is draft eligible, and you mentioned mm-hmm. Olin Zellweger right now, uh, that guy for, for Everett. It's not a year where they have that, you know, that guy who's going to go in the top three rounds, though, right? He's not that type of player. Yeah, no, he got a C rating, so so that's you know the, the those third, fourth, fifth rounds. I think that's a a reasonable spot for him uh, to go, you know. But we'll see. You know, he's a defenseman. He was playing uh, behind a lot of defensemen last year that have now moved on to the pros. So what can he do with that added role? Will he get more time in the power play? Will he definitely get more minutes. Uh, we, I mentioned Castro Pudio is gone. He would have eaten up a lot of minutes on the blue line. So Zellweger has a chance to, to raise his stock here at these 24 games uh, if he takes advantage of that. All right, let's go to the Portland Winterhawks next, uh, Andy, as we keep going alphabetically. And, and this is a team that's always an exciting club to watch, even even in what would con- be considered a, a down year for other clubs. They're still a fun mm-hmm. team to watch. Uh, big changes yeah. this year, no Joel Hofer uh, back as he's uh, now in the NHL or at least uh, playing professional hockey. So, uh, there's it's going to be a new look Portland Winterhawks, but there's some familiar faces, and a guy like Seth Jarvis could be the best player in the league. Yeah, well, Seth Jarvis is, is a pretty electric. Uh, you mentioned him. You know, he he started in the AHL this year and, and was leading them in scoring when they got sent back to Portland. Yeah. So he looks like he's ready to go. Uh, but he's not the only drafted player. You know, they still have Reese Newkirk, who's a guy that I really like because he's I have a soft spot in my heart for for agitators, and that's that's Reese Newkirk has a lot of skill, but will get under your skin. Uh, and, and you know, Mike Johnson's not afraid to. He's not afraid to win a five, five a six five game um, if he if he can. You know, you mentioned the goaltender. They do lose Hofer, who was a, a big goalie for them. I think they're going to turn to a younger guy named Dante uh, Giannucci, who's been kind of up and down with them a little bit. 
Um, but this, I think it's his net now. They, they brought in Gould from uh, Moose Jaw uh, as to be a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they can get the goaltending from him, uh, you know, they're, they're, they'll be in that mix again, just like they were last year. That's interesting. You think Giannucci is going to be the, the de facto starter ahead of Gould? Yeah, I think he'll get the shot first. I think it'll be that'll be it'll be his to lose. Yeah. All right. Uh, does uh, Portland have a, a draft eligible player of note? Yeah, they do. But again, you're you're talking about a C rating. You know, the U.S. Division has some draft eligible guys, but only one or two that I think are, are A rating. Uh, they have Tyson Kozak as a center who got a, a C rating. You know, he had uh, you know forty forty some points last year. Um, and then Simon Knack is back, who was with uh, the Swiss in the, in the World Juniors, you may recall. Yeah, he, he's back with them. And Portland did get both their imports back, which is interesting because a lot of other teams couldn't get that make that happen, but they were able to. Um, so those are the two guys that you're going to look for for the 2021 draft. I should note that uh, uh, Jim O'Brien is, is with them, but he's in the USHL now, mm. and he had an A rating. Uh, they also uh, the Clay Hannis is also in the USHL. So right. Portland does have a few players that they are, would have normally. It'd be even a stronger team. Um, that are still playing in the USHL, so they're, they're going to be without them for a while. Yeah, for those who don't know, that the, the uh, Winterhawks let four players go to the USHL, yeah. all to all to the the Lincoln Stars, I believe it was uh, that they all yep. went to. And uh, interesting to see that unfold. And I had Mike Johnston on uh, the show right after that happened. He he knew that those players would not be eligible to come back. So uh, not a not an easy decision to make, but probably the right one at that time uh, for the, mm-hmm. the sake of the players. All right, alphabetically next, it would be uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds, who uh, obviously you are very close to. Uh, what can you tell me about this year's mm-hmm. club? Uh, well, they were the youngest team in the CHL last year, and they're going to be almost as young again this year. Uh, but they but they still may be better. They, they've got a really impressive uh, group of 16-year-olds coming in, uh, two of which were top 10 Bannon picks, and Jordan Gustafson, who's a center, and Kevin Korchinski, who's a really slick-looking defenseman. Uh, uh, they also have a, a player out of Alaska, Gabe Ludwig, who's going to come in as a 16-year-old. They were really high on him. Uh, they took him. He was a second-round pick, uh, but they feel like he would have been a first-rounder if not for the the lure of NCAA hanging over him. Um, but he, they were able to recruit him to Seattle, so they're really excited about getting him in. So th- this team, the most exciting thing maybe th- these three or four 16-year-olds that are coming in this year and what they might be in the future, along with the 16-year-olds they had last year. So they're their best players are probably, you know, seven or eight, six, 16 or 17 year olds that they have as a group. So really this is all about development uh, for the, the yep. Thunderbirds looking ahead to next season and hopefully knock on wood that we're back to normal or somewhat <laughs> yeah. a lot more similar to what normal is. <laughs> this is really about getting these players kind of up to speed at this level. Tell, now tell me about Connor Roulette because uh, when it comes to draft eligible players, he's one of the top guys out of the dub. Yep. Yeah, he he has an A rating. Uh, you know, so I think I think you know I, I don't know that he's a top ten kind of guy. He's probably looking you know mid first round, early second round is where he might realistically be looking to go. Uh, he's a fun guy to watch. Uh, very creative, uh, offensive minded player. You know, he just the puck seems to find him. Uh, he seems to find ways to score. You know, and sometimes it's you know it's unique ways to score. He just always seems to to be around the net and be dangerous. He scored. They had their their blue white scrimmage last week, and he he grouped a backhander from about two feet in front of the goalie that it was impressive they could even get that over the, the guy. Uh, so he's pretty fun to watch. They have two C-rated prospects in Kai Uchaz and Lucas Siona, uh, two forwards. And then they have a goalie who didn't show up on the on the uh, the NHL scouting, but he was invited to uh, Team Canada's Olinka Gretzky camp this past summer, which obviously didn't happen in person. But uh, And that's Thomas Millich. He's coming in as a 17-year-old. 
probably could have made the team last year as a 16, but they knew he wasn't going to play much with uh, Roddy Ross there. Yeah. Uh, he's the main reason they traded Roddy Ross at the Bantam draft at Regina was that they, they wanted Miller to get up into the NHL this year and play. So he's going to be the number one goalie. He probably is going to get the bulk of the starts. I don't know if he'll, if he'll get all 24, but I would imagine he might get 20 out of the 24. Okay. We'll watch for that. Uh, you mentioned Kai Uchaz, uh, and this is, I mean, this is mm-hmm. the guy who was taken in the Bantam draft ahead of Connor Roulette, uh, a full round yep. uh, before him. Are you surprised that uh, he he didn't have the season the same sort of season that say Roulette did that he might not be as highly touted coming into this year? Yeah, I think you know Uchaz uh, is more of a two way kind of center, two hundred foot kind of guy. Whereas you, know, you look at you look at the numbers that Roulette put up, you know, in Bantam and, and, and Midget coming up, he, he was an electric scorer. So I think they expected that initial uh, burst from Roulette more than they did from Uchaz. Uh, I just don't think he's that kind of player, but he's a very solid player and probably will get drafted. He's just not the, the dynamic, you know, light up the scoreboard kind of guy. But he's, but like I said, he does play a responsible, you know, game of both ends. Uh, they played him at wing in the, the their, their scrimmage last the other week, so I'm not sure what their plans are for him this year. Um, but uh, you, you mentioned he was drafted ahead of that. So was Lucas Siona. Uh, Siona had two second round picks that year, and Siona went was their first pick in the. Second round, and so yeah, both those guys were taken ahead of Roulette, um, and now Roulette are obviously <laughs> ranked higher than them. But that's sometimes how it goes. They still like both those players. Uh, you know, they both have their own their own skills and talents. Let's uh, move to the Spokane Chiefs, and we are talking about Portland loaning guys to the USHL. Well, so did the Chiefs, mm-hmm. including their starting netminder and Lucas Perik uh, and uh, Luke Toporowski as well. So a couple of key guys uh, not back for the the Chiefs this year. So. How how much of a change is that for Spokane? What are you expecting from them? Yeah, and Bear Hughes is another one. That's um, right. Who, who's, who's USHL bound? So they they got three guys out. Uh, getting Beckman back helps. <laughs> you mentioned his numbers. Uh, he also had a pretty successful AHL run before being sent back. Uh, and they also will will get back uh, Jack Finley, who's a six five center that was drafted by Tampa Bay this past October. So that'll help. Uh, they do. You know, they're going to lose Ty Smith in the back end, and that's never easy just to replace. <laughs> um, you know, they, they have a guy like uh, Graham Ford who's going to be back in the defense and he's, he's a, a C-ranked central scouting guy. Uh, you know, he's not going to replace Ty Smith, but he's going to get more minutes and, and give them some, some, you know, skill from the back end. Uh, but yeah, the, the goal is going to be interesting because they, Parikh was coming on last year. And this is a team, if you remember, they won the last 10 games of the season before right. everything shut down. Uh, I really think they would have been dangerous in the playoffs. I mean, we'll never know, obviously. But you look at that Portland Everett, you know, they were one point apart. But I think Spokane was just as good and could have easily taken out one of those teams. Well, that's how important the first place in the division was so that you could avoid playing yeah. Spokane in that yeah. first round, for sure. Uh, yep. Graham Swart, Swart rather, is the uh, the guy that's the most notable draft-eligible player for for the Chiefs. Yep, he's the only one that's got a ranking. Uh, you know, he had 17 points in the rookie last year, which isn't bad for a defenseman. And, you know, he wasn't playing top minutes, but I, I'm sure there, there's some Ty Smith minutes available there uh, now on the back end. So, uh, you know, he'll he'll definitely take a bunch of those, and we'll see what that what that translates to. He's got size, six two, almost six three, and yep. uh, just over 170 yeah. pounds. So, lots of room still uh, to fill out. Uh, and when I talk about defensemen with size, uh, that takes me to the Tri-City Americans. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I guess I led to it right away, but Mark Lajoie, six foot five yeah. and 220 pounds, uh, draft eligible. And he's not the only guy on that blue line uh, for Tri-City with size. They're, they're all big, it seems like, except Luke Zazula. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, what, uh, we'll <laughs> start with Lajoie, but, I mean, that that is just a, a beast of a blue line. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's NHL size right now, right? I mean, that that's <laughs> – uh, he's pretty impressive, and this whole division has a lot of big, big dudes in it, both on defense and uh, and, and forward. So yeah, he's going to be a guy to watch there. You know, they're they're definitely a team that's in the rebuild. They got old last year, and, and you know, whenever we say old in junior hockey, you're talking 1920 <laughs> year old, right? It's relative. Um, and so they sold off a lot of guys. You know, they traded a Beck Warm, they traded a bunch of guys, uh, and they, they they so they're going to rely on a lot of rookies this year. They, they're going to have. 16-year-old rookies, uh, you know, a guy like Rhett Melnick, uh, who was a big-time scorer coming up. Uh, Jake Sloan's another guy to watch. Uh, they still have, you know, they still have some veteran guys. Sasha Matalo will be back. He's a Colorado prospect. Uh, you know, he was our leading scorer last year. Uh, you know, Connor Bouchard will be back. Edge Lambert. Those are guys that are coming back. Uh, but this really is like Seattle. This is a team that's looking ahead a couple years from now. And, and you mentioned size. Their goalie, Taylor Boyko, uh, is also 6'6". So, no, no slouches on the on the Tri City Americans back end. Holy cow, Boyko on the WHL's website, he's listed at six seven and a half. Yeah, maybe he grew. <laughs> Holy cow, that is man, that's almost and, not and fair. If you look at his numbers, I saw him play a couple times last year. If you look at his numbers, they look bad. You know, he was playing in front of a, a pretty green team. Like when they started trading players, they were calling guys up, and yeah. that's not that was barely a WHL team. So he he took the brunt end of a lot of that, but. They're going to be improving, and so their time's coming as well. Well, it sounds like he's still growing, so maybe he's a guy who's getting used to, you know, as as his body keeps developing, he's got to get used to that too. So, uh, but hey, that's... I've never seen this many tall guys in the division before, but you know, we, we didn't even mention Seattle's Matthew Rempe, who's six eight and two forty. That's right. Yeah, you know, he was a, a Rangers draft pick. So there's just there's tall guys throughout this division. It's something else to see. Wow, that is a lot of beef uh, in in the U.S. division. <laughs> uh, now everybody's playing in the state, uh, but uh, are, it's not like a bubble situation, are they? It's not like no. everybody. In Regina, no, yeah, everyone's playing for the most part in their home arenas. Uh, Portland had a weird situation because they're uh, they're in a different state, so yeah. uh, their governor took a little longer to approve things. So their first game, home game, is going to be at the Shower Center in Kent, where the Thunderbirds play. But after that, it sounds like they just recently were able to get cleared to have home games back down in Portland for the rest of the way. Oh, is that right? I hadn't heard that. Okay. Yeah, originally they were going to play all their games up here, um, but they just got approval last week, so. First game will be uh, in Kent, and then after that, they'll have their own home ice. So that, that's nice because they were going to practice in Portland and then drive up for every game. That's a, you know, so it's a season-long road trip basically. But um, yeah, yeah. So they're they're able to play at home now. But yeah, everyone's going to play in their own arena. Some teams are handling things a little different. Like I know the Silver Tips and Everett, their their uh, players are all living in a college dorm uh, building, so you know they're going to be isolated that way. A lot of the other teams are just sticking with their billets system. I see. Yeah, same thing up here with some teams as, as well. Nobody's living at the rank mm-hmm. though, like the Red Deer Rebels are. No, I, I understand that some teams thought about that though. That was that was on the table at one point. But I know that Seattle, the Shower Center in Kent, is also uh, doubling as a vaccination site, ah. um, which has been kind of a, a funny scene because uh, after you get your shot, they have you wait in the stands for fifteen twenty minutes to make sure there's no allergic reaction. So people are getting to watch practice. <laughs> 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 Not allowed to have fans for the games, but you got fans for practice. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Spokane's uh, Spokane's Arena is also going to be a uh, vaccination site. I'm not sure if there if there are people are watching practice or not, but uh, it was a it was the most 2021 thing that I've seen your practice the other day with you know the Thunderbirds practicing and random people sprinkled throughout the the, <laughs> the stands uh, just waiting for their their COVID test their COVID shots to take place. So. 
Wow. Uh, it, it's a different world for sure. That's amazing. Well, Andy, listen, I really appreciate your time. I guess the bottom line is, hey, at least the vaccines are getting rolled out. And, uh, uh, you know, hopefully yep. that light is at the end of the tunnel here and we can get back to normal. Yeah, it would sure be nice, wouldn't it? Thanks for your time, Andy. We'll do this again. Yeah, my pleasure. That's Andy Eide from ESPN 710 in Seattle, as well as the other uh, affiliations that he has, Sound of Hockey, as well as uh, the Kraken guy for NHL.com. Exciting time to be a hockey fan in Seattle, for sure. WHL is uh, back and uh, started last night. The Tri-City Americans winning in overtime 3-2 over the Portland Winterhawks. One more game on uh, tap tonight as Seattle welcomes Spokane. But this weekend, it continues. Portland uh, goes against Seattle. And Spokane will play Everett. Uh, so everybody getting back together, getting the uh, the getting the band back together in the WHL. Next this time next week it'll be the BC division kicking things off. So next week on the show, I imagine we'll get somebody from the BC division to come on and uh, talk about that exciting times. We've got one more segment in this week's episode, and that is with a, a recently named All Canadian freshman here for the Pipeline Show. And that would be Alex Campbell, Nashville Predators prospect. He was uh, chosen in the third round not that long ago, a couple of years ago, and uh, just finished his first season in the NCAA. He played for the Clarkson Golden Knights, but had uh, stops along the way in the USHL, in the BCHL, where he played for the Victoria Grizzlies. So he's kind of crisscrossed the country to get to where he is now. Heck of a first year. We'll chat with him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. McKechnie won it, left half towards McCarr, skates down the boards to the corner, stops up there, then got around a defender to the side of the net, cuts in front, shoots and scores! A thing of beauty, a work of art, Kale McCarr just took over this whole game, dangling a defender out of his skates in the left corner, cutting to the slot untouched. Hey, it's Kale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA Hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Shane Gossespear were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. We are back on The Pipeline Show, and we'll end this week's episode with an NCAA campus report. Of course, that is brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or there's one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your college eligibility, well, College Hockey, Inc. is a great resource for that. You can get in touch with Nate Ewell or Mike Snee. And they will answer any questions that you might have. Uh, my next guest is a player who probably went that route as well or did go the, the college route and might have had some questions before he did. Uh, this morning on uh, the Patreon page, I uh, revealed the 2021 All-Canadian team and the All-Canadian freshman team. And uh, quickly, the uh, the freshman that made the, the cut, a couple from Michigan and Kent Johnson and Owen Power, Carter Savoy from Denver, 
Akito Hiroshi from Minnesota State, Carter Guylander from Colgate, and my next guest, Alex Campbell from Clarkson. Alex, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good, good, and thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. I, I know the season didn't end the way you wanted it to, but man, this season was strange altogether, wasn't it? Uh, at the start of the year, you go back to the summertime. Could you have imagined that things would have unfolded the way they did? Yeah, I know. It's, it's been crazy, even the way uh, the season ended last year. Really have a start to the season. Uh, got on campus and kind of went from there, and we eventually got games, and we we're fortunate enough to get uh, kind of in the mid twenty games uh, throughout the season. So, I mean, it is what it is, right? We're all going through uh, the same thing. Well, uh, twenty-two games this year that you got to play with Clarkson, seventeen points along the way, uh, four goals, thirteen assists. How'd you feel about the the way your freshman season went? Yeah, I think it went pretty well. Um, it's a little different this year, so she's playing uh, our conference teams six times each. Yeah. So uh, we got uh, we got to know them pretty well, and I think we created some new rivalries uh, throughout this year. But uh, I think it went well overall. Our team grew throughout the year. And, um, I mean, it sucks that we didn't have a chance to, to finish where we started. Just focus on that for a second. You only get to play three teams all season long. Uh, in some way, it's it's got to be a little bit fun because, as you mentioned, the rivalries start building, and uh, you get some uh, some actual – uh, animosity on the ice between teams, but it's got to be boring to play the same three teams all year. Yeah, uh, it gets really, really tight out there. I mean, you're just studying the same three teams over and over again, and you're just shutting down what they change. So um, it, the, the game gets really, really tight, and it's so hard to create anything when you play against them. So, uh, but I guess at the end of the day, we created those rivalries, and uh, hopefully they'll carry on the next few years too. Alex, I know a lot of freshmen, uh, when they first – get to the program they sort of have to bide their time and find a, a niche for themselves to just to get into the lineup uh you were one of the team's top scorers though so it seemed like it was an easier transition for you is that fair yeah i think uh i mean i've been committed to clarkson for the longest time and um, they've kind of helped me through my development and even uh going to ushl last year and just kind of taking that time and only kind of stepping into the college game when i when i was ready and kind of try to step in as a more of an impact player than than uh, having to miss games. So, uh, Alex Campbell is my guest. Uh, I know we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you a lot more about just your path to to get to college. Uh, but I have to ask you about the current events and just how the season ended for for Clarkson uh, with the uh, off ice uh, issue, and uh, then the season just gets canceled. Disappointing the way it turned out. I would have to think. Yeah, everyone's really really disappointed. And uh, last year. Um, the seniors got their season ripped away, and, and this year the seniors got the same thing ripped away. And obviously, one of them was out of their control. And this year, it was it was, uh, it was our fault. And uh, I mean, it's just a mistake that we'll have to own and um, live with, and uh, kind of grow from there. Now you're back home in Canada, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're from initially from uh, originally from Chattagay, is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So I still live there. It's just on the south shore of uh, the island of Montreal. Okay. Now, uh, now coming back into Canada, is there the mandatory quarantine and all that still? Yeah. So I got back on Saturday. So I think I still have nine nine more days to go. At this point, I think anybody who's done any traveling like you have uh, earlier in the year, you must have some tricks that you can share with everybody. What do you do to avoid the boredom and just uh, going stir crazy? I think the biggest thing is just having a routine. Maybe kind of waking up around the same time. If you want to work out, work out at the same time. Plan out meals. Uh, I still have schoolwork, so ah. I just attend the classes when the, when classes happen. And uh, I don't know, just kind of maybe start reading. Or that's what I did last summer. I, I read a lot of books and 
I don't know, just try to stay entertained, hang out with friends or family, but I guess friends aren't really allowed at this point, but yeah, hang out with family once I'm out of quarantine and, uh, I don't know, just enjoy life. Was that a tough thing to do this year with the balancing the academics and playing, especially in a COVID pandemic situation? Uh, yes and no. For me, I actually found it a little easier because since we miss a lot of school because of hockey, mm-hmm. they'll miss a lot of Fridays and sometimes the middle of the week we'll have a game or whatnot. So, uh, having the recorded, uh, the lectures recorded, I found that kind of helped a lot because then you don't actually miss classes. You can just rewatch them. I see. Uh, Alex Campbell is my guest. He's a, uh, was a freshman with Clarkson this past year. I just put him on the all freshman team, all Canadian freshman team, uh, on the pipeline shows uh, website earlier today. Uh, let's get to know you a bit uh, with, the, with your background and just so people who maybe Nashville Predator fans will take a special interest. You're a, a third round pick of the Preds back in 2019. Uh, mentioned you're from Chattagay, Quebec, uh, and you grew up and spent most of your time in the province, but I know you've been traveling around a lot the last, well, I guess this would make it four, four or five different teams in the last four or five different years. So, uh, you're getting used to moving around. <laughs> yeah. Um, I probably wasn't exactly expecting this growing up. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what uh, the future had in store, but here we are. Yeah, I think it's five different teams in five different places. So, uh, I mean, I've been fortunate to play with such amazing different players throughout the years and uh, kind of being under the wing of many, many different coaches. So, uh, definitely fortunate for that. Tell me about Stansted College and uh, what, what took you there. So, uh, I played high school back home. So, I was playing there and Originally thinking of playing another year, and we weren't too sure what was going to happen, and then I was bouncing around about playing uh, kind of just AAA for the city. That really didn't work out because they would have, they uh, they wanted me to switch schools, and it got really complicated in that sense. So we were looking at prep school instead, mm. kind of go uh, get into kind of the U.S. prep school system right away and get used to that. And um, Stansted kind of had the it was kind of the perfect fit for me. It was close enough to home, and I was actually still in Canada, which helped with the whole schooling. Right. And uh, I don't know, it was just kind of the perfect fit. I loved it there. I loved the opportunity that they're that they're going to give me, and uh, it ended up working out. So when you were done at Stansted, uh, before you got went to the BCHL, I mean, were, was high school done at that point? Yeah. Well, in Quebec, we have like we graduate in grade eleven. Ah, okay. So it's a little different than most places who graduate in grade twelve. Gotcha weirdos all right <laughs> then you end up going all the way to the west coast of victoria beautiful part of canada but i can't imagine growing up in quebec you knew a whole lot about the about the province of bc let alone what the league was like so how did you end up in victoria yeah i, I had never been past ontario so uh, it was definitely definitely a cool experience down there and um originally the plan was to stay two years at Sunset, but after the one i felt uh I felt comfortable enough to kind of move on to the next level. And we're looking at junior A was kind of the goal, whether it was in the CCHL, OJHL, BCHL, I was just kind of looking around to see what the best fit was. Right. Uh, when we went down to go practice with a couple of the BCHL teams, uh, Victoria just kind of felt like home and it felt amazing. And, uh, kind of ended up there. Beautiful, isn't it? I mean, the, you, no winter or anything. No, we actually had quite a bit of snow. Get I got out. stuck in a snowstorm. Really? In Victoria? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was quite interesting. Wow, I, I thought my impression of Victoria was it's always above freezing and not a whole lot of uh, of snow, lots of rain, but not a lot of snow. So, all right, well, thanks for correcting me there. Sixty-seven points in fifty-three games that year. Twenty-one of those uh, were goals. So that step up to junior A didn't seem to be uh, much of a 
a, a difficult one for you to make either. I, I guess not. It's uh, I guess changing levels when you're ready is really important. So you kind of mm. move into the next level and be more of a impact player. And uh, obviously, I play with some amazing players too, which which helped me out. And I learned a lot from them. Learned a lot from the coaches. Um, I think throughout the year, I progressed. And, um, I guess it it uh, turned out well. Well, and then you decided to uh, go south of the border to Omaha and play for the Lancers, where you had another strong offensive season, 57 points in 46 games. Uh, but why leave the BCHL for uh, another junior A league, uh, this time in the States? So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk about whether I was going to go college, go back to the BC, go to the USHL, and um, kind of came to the conclusion that uh, playing in the West, West side of the air, the West Conference in the USHL was a little more of a tighter league and a little more like the ECAC. Mm. So I felt like going there was maybe a little bit closer to a step to um, how it would be at Clarkson and uh, kind of uh, moved into that uh, into that league and, and uh, kind of learned what I had to learn in that league. And here I am now. All right. Uh, how big of a difference was there from the BCHL to the USHL? More More similarities than differences, I would guess, but what were some of the differences? Yeah, it's quite close. I think it's a lot tighter, a lot more defensive, which is uh, which is always important. And the ECAC is also a very tight league. So um, I think that's kind of the biggest difference is how tight it is. Like there's not much room. You'll be in the corner with six, seven, eight other guys. And the BC, there's a lot more space. Right. So a lot more offense. I think those are kind of the two, uh, the biggest difference. All right. Well, uh, after your uh, season uh, with the Victoria Grizzlies, was the NHL draft where the Nashville Predators selected you in the third round? Uh, take me back to that draft day experience or that draft weekend experience. What was it like for you? Yeah, that was surreal. Even now, it doesn't necessarily feel exactly real. <laughs> uh, I was lucky enough to get to go, which is uh, which is really nice. And it was a crazy experience. Uh, pretty stressful one, but just tried to make the most of it and enjoy as much as I uh, as I could. Try to soak it all in. Uh, they they did a great job. Uh, I've always watched it on TV year after year, and then here I am not being able to watch it on TV this time, but actually being there, so uh, it was awesome. It's a lot more boring in person, isn't it? Well, I guess not when you're one of the guys waiting to get drafted, but um, it's a little different watching it on TV than seeing it live. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a little quicker, but um, being there and, and being one of the players, <laughs> it, it feels like forever. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> doesn't matter how many rounds go by. It's every pick just seems like it's, they're not coming quick enough. That's right, I suppose. Uh, all right, what's the relationship uh, been like with the with the Predators since then? I know it's difficult this past year because you weren't able to attend any you know summer prospect camps or anything like that. Uh, so, um, what sort of communication have you had with the NHL club? Yeah, so we kind of have I think it's two or three times a year we have different uh, meetings with the staff and they kind of go over where we're at and where they want us to go. Mm. Uh, they're all individual meetings, and um, I'm pretty close to the to the forward development guy, uh, Sebastian Bordalo. Okay. He's also from Laval, which is like 40 minutes away from where I live. Ah, okay. So um, it's great to to have a close connection with him and uh, get to hop on the ice with him. Obviously, he knows where he wants me to be. So getting to step on the ice with him that kind of gives me that uh, little bit of an advantage there. Nice. Uh, since uh, draft day, when they chose you, a couple of years have gone by now, or a couple of seasons, although abbreviated seasons. But how do you feel you've evolved as a player since then? Yeah, I think I've, I've grown a lot. And um, uh, as much as I've talked to them, they, they seem pretty happy with my development so far. And obviously, there's still, still a long way to go and stuff to work on. Uh, 
but uh, no, I'm super happy where I'm at, and um, hopefully just keep growing. I should ask you, what areas of your game you, you are still trying to, to work on? You said there are still areas to improve, uh, and I'm sure every player your age uh, would say the same thing, but what are those facets of your game that you think you have to attend uh, the most? I think one of the big ones this year was kind of finishing on opportunities. Uh, my line and myself got so many different opportunities, and uh, we, we missed out on a lot of good chances. So I think big ones just capitalizing on all those chances and um, also creating time and space. So every league, uh, there's less time, there's less space. So uh, just finding different ways, techniques, and uh, just to create time and space and uh, we can make a better play. Alex, I should ask you, I mean, you're a Canadian guy, and uh, I think it's the natural uh, progression would be to, or expectation would be major junior and play in the queue. Uh, for yourself, you said you had committed to Clarkson for a while. Why the college route first off instead of major junior, and then why specifically Clarkson? So growing up, I had a lot of friends who were older, and I saw a lot of them go to the queue, uh, major junior, and it didn't really work out for them. Like, they'll stay there four years then they finish their 20 year and then they don't really have anywhere to go. Mm. And I saw that at a young age and I was kind of like, if you don't make it right away, it's kind of hard. And then you end up at Canadian college and it just, it just didn't seem like a good fit for me. I'd rather kind of the college route where you have more time to develop. You're playing against older guys, You're not playing as many games. We have time to get stronger in the gym a lot. So uh, it's just kind of a route that attracted me a lot more. So I was never really that interested in the major junior route. Mm -hmm. And why Clarkson? I imagine you had opportunities. Other uh, other programs probably expressed an interest. So why was Clarkson the right fit? Well, this is actually interesting. So I committed out of my high school team, and it, it's not a very – I don't even think it's scouted at all from NCAA. So uh, the Clarkson scout came and watched one of my games, and I ended up getting an offer right after that game. Mm. And to me, it didn't really feel uh, didn't really feel real. And later on, I talked to the coaches, had meetings with them, and uh, it was literally the perfect fit. So I actually never really talked to any other schools. Oh wow! So it, right away, it felt comfortable, felt like uh, the right choice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's really close to home. Had the program I wanted. I really liked the way the uh, the direction the program was going. I loved the coaching staff. They're renovating the rank. Like it was just. Perfect setup for me, and uh, super happy and grateful uh, for uh, for Clarkson University. Excellent. Well, listen, uh, Alex, I really appreciate your time. Uh, let's hope that uh, next season is, uh, you know, everything's back to normal, knock on wood, that uh, uh, we are able to, uh, you know, you get to play a full season, get to play in front of fans, and maybe you get to play some other teams as well. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hope for some other teams. <laughs> Alex, I appreciate your time, man. Have a great summer, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be following you from afar. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. appreciate it. Alex Campbell from Clarkson University, solid freshman season for him. Uh, unfortunately, the way things ended for Clarkson, as you mentioned there, though, I, I felt bad for the seniors because that's not the way you want to go out, but you heard him uh, mention it. It's kind of on them for uh, going out and uh, breaking the protocol that the team had set up. So no one to blame but themselves there. Uh, but more importantly, that I, I love his, hearing the backstory like that. Young guy crisscrossing the country like that. That's got to be really tough. Uh, when you're, uh, you know, still a young player and trying to fit in, trying to feel comfortable. Now he'll be at Clarkson for probably a couple of years at least, but a good prospect there. I'm sure Predator fans are excited about uh, uh, the way he's been developing here since they drafted him.
Alex was my final guest for this week's episode, which means it's cleanup time. Have you got your bidet yet? Go to hellotushy.com slash pipeline and order a bidet. Stop wiping, start washing your butt. Don't be a caveman. Get with it, fellas. If you have a bidet in your house, maybe you're single, and you have a lady come over and she sees you've got, got a bidet, your, uh, your stock just goes through the roof. And fellas, if you're married, uh, your wife will definitely appreciate uh, you going to the effort of uh, getting a bidet for your household. Trust me on that one. Well, trust because I didn't do it. My wife bought me one for Christmas. And uh, because she, when she went over to visit her sister who was teaching in Korea, she experienced the bidet. Because let's be honest, there are parts of the world where bidets are really, really popular and quite common. Not so much here in North America. Uh, we're behind the times here when it comes to that. So get yourself a bidet. HelloTushy.com slash pipeline. And that gets you an extra 10% off right there. Just by using the referral code. And uh, trust me, you won't be disappointed. Let me know when once you've ordered it and once you've uh, got it installed and uh, have tried it out, how much better your life is after you've got your bidet. Thanks to Alex Campbell and Andy Ide and uh, Sebastian Cosa, who you heard on this week's show. Thanks to uh, all the patrons who have uh, supported the program, and I hope you're enjoying your early access. You also get to uh, request guests. You hear all of those interviews shortly after they are completed, and uh, I've had time to edit them and, uh, and put them up on the Patreon page. If you have questions for guests, you, you can always submit those to me as well. Just some of the perks that uh, patrons have access to for a couple of bucks a month. Next week on the program, the WHL's BC division finally gets going, and that'll be every team, all 22 teams in the league, will be active once again. So I imagine we'll get somebody to uh, preview the return of the BC division. We'll keep tabs on what's happening uh, south of the border in uh, the NCAA as the national tournament bracket will be set. Of course, they're still playing in the queue. Will we get an update on what's happening with the Ontario Hockey League? How about the USHL? And it's been a while since we looked at the American Hockey League, so perhaps we'll do that as well. We'll keep the 2021 draft spotlight on. Lots that we can talk about next week here on the Pipeline Show. But I have to get out and get some Wilhock beef jerky because the four pounds I bought last week have uh, been devoured by uh, everyone in my household. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. I would have to think it's the best beef jerky on the planet. Check them out at WilhockBeefJerky.com and on Twitter at WilhockJerky. Remember, you don't win friends with salad. You win friends with delicious beef jerky from Wilhock Beef Jerky. And it wouldn't help to have some troubled monk with you as well. I'm going to be sitting around a campfire tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to definitely want to have some beef jerky with me in one hand and a troubled monk in the other. I hope you have a chance to enjoy the weekend as well. Until next week, everybody, my name's Keith Flaming. See ya.